0: This podcast sponsored by Cherry Hill Volvo. A
1: Cherry Hill Volvo and XC40 can be leased for as low as $459. And an XC90 leased for as low as $629. The
2: Cherry Hill Volvo offers are very aggressive. Spring into Cherry Hill Volvo for incredibly fabulous offers.
3: Listen up! I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart.
5: WPHT, HD, WGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will... This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli.
1: We have a new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, and I was very, very impressed by a lot of things he had to say in his speech today. Going after national debt, saying the border has to be secured, and in a few moments, the House will be voting on a measure to support Israel a standalone measure to support Israel. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Great to have you with us as we are all dealing with the Phillies heartbreak, the loss last night. But hey, look, at least we still have the Eagles winning and at least we now have a conservative as speaker. So that makes me happy. You Got to celebrate the little things. And the team went further than many people had ever suspected that they would. So, you know, it was a good team. It was just a crappy game and... Everybody was trying too, for too many home runs, in my opinion, if you ask me. Uh, Phil Kirpin's a big baseball guy. He's also president of American Commitment. Phil, did you watch the game last night?
4: Yeah, I watched it. You know, I um, I root for my former Mets, so I loved seeing Zach Wheeler deal the way he did on two days rest. And, uh, you know, I liked seeing uh, Paul Seawold get the save. So, you know that's kind of my pathetic perspective after the horrendous season that my guys had this
1: year. Yeah, and the only reason I'll even conduct this interview with you is cuz you acknowledge that the Mets had a horrendous season and it's in, and that gives that gives us some joy today here in Philadelphia. So we'll we'll, we'll Yeah, go well,
4: right. I mean, compared, to, <laughs> compared to what we had, you got to be pretty
1: happy with your year. <laughs> we are. We moved some merch. Uh Phil Karpin, I want to talk to you about a lot of things today, but first of all, obviously I'd be remiss if I did not get your thoughts on the new speaker of the house.
4: Yeah, I mean, he seems pretty good from what I've been able to see. I mean, I don't know him that well. I might have met him once or twice. Uh, I certainly didn't think of him as a speaker contender until, I guess, the last couple of days. Uh, But I think he's a lot more conservative than Kevin McCarthy. And, of course, you know, the test is going to be can he deliver results. So we'll see. I don't know. I mean, the challenge, of course, for any speaker is that the, uh, the majority is razor thin. And so that's why it's been so difficult to get much of anything done in the House. And that's why we had the last few weeks of not being able to elect a speaker. But, you know, he did what nobody else could do so far, which is unite everybody. So let's see if he can actually do that on on some legislation also.
1: Yeah, uniting everybody would would be good. It it certainly seemed this came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, everybody just just coalesced around him. But hey, Trump praised him. Jim, he's a Jim Jordan guy, and and I'm, I know that you probably loved hearing him talk about the national debt today because I know that in American Commitment, you talk about that a lot. I mean, the danger, the national security threat that is our national debt is is the fiscal irresponsibility, the massive spending, the interest on the debt, all of those things, and it does not it's not something that enough Republicans talk about.
4: Right, no question about that. I mean, this is sort of the big question is can we get some kind of handle on federal spending or is it just going to be the usual nonsense some huge supplemental followed by some huge omnibus and you know that was really the course that we were on and the question is now can he alter that course in some meaningful way and uh, you know look the the deficit has doubled again this year from last year after all the bragging from democrats and biden that they got it under control it was nonsense i mean we came down off the one-time COVID spending and they went on a brand new spending spree just wrapped up Massive debt yet again. And, uh, you know, this is sort of the test of leadership, I think, whether he can actually do something to change the spending trajectory. And I'll also mention that uh, a Hill staffer who wanted to make a favorable impression on me for uh, the new speaker sent me a letter that he sent uh, to Biden. And the CDC bashing them when their insane uh, anti-school guidance came out early in the Biden administration and calling out the undue influence of the unions and so forth. So they knew they knew what issue would would, uh, you know, get my attention and my positive appreciation for the new speaker. And they sent me that. So I did like seeing that. that he was on top of that issue, you know, right when it from when it happened.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. That's great. I'll I'll share that uh, on the air as well at some point today. That makes me happy. Uh, and then the other point too that I wanted to bring up with you, Phil Kirpin, while I have you, is that you know you and I over the years have talked about these massive omnibus bills, these CRs, these these massive spending bills where they just throw everything in there, you know, and I I, I really do think that enough is enough with this stuff. I mean, to put Ukraine funding in a continuing resolution to keep the government open. I, enough. These, these things need to be up or down yes, votes. These are these these are massive, massive uh, debates that need to be had here about America's role, how long we're in this, what our commitment is going to be, how long this goes. To just put it in a, a continuing resolution, I think, is done a lot of times to give these members cover so they can go back to their district and say, well, I didn't want to vote for it, but I had to do it. Otherwise, our hardworking, brave men and women in uniform wouldn't have received their paychecks. That has to stop.
4: Yeah, well, unfortunately, it looks like they're loading up for not one, but two uh, massive Christmas tree type type bills. They've got this supplemental, which, uh, you know, Israel's going to drive the public support for. But, you know, it's like, you know, Israel, I think, is 10 percent of the funding in the bill or something like that. The president basically uh, loaded up, you know, 60 billion some dollars for Ukraine with, I think, 17 billion for Israel. And then I don't know, like 30 billion in domestic spending for all kinds of nonsense that supposedly now they're claiming is an emergency. I mean, I don't know if you saw Bernie Sanders yesterday was in high dudgeon. We have so many emergencies here at home. It's uh, we need to do child care and health care. And, this and that. I, mean, so, I mean, that thing is shaping up to be, uh, you know, ridiculous. And then, of course uh we're still not on track to do the individual appropriations bills unless the, the new speaker can really change the direction of that which means another omnibus
5: yeah
1: yeah well we'll uh, we'll 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 definitely see how this goes and we'll see how the new speaker handles it um switching gears you have a piece over at americancommitment.org about the fcc and uh, the, the piece is entitled FCC chair's bad Wi-Fi is not a reason to regulate the Internet. And, of course, by chair, you mean the, yes. the chairwoman Ajit. Uh, well, uh, uh, Chairman Ajit Pai, when he was there, was fantastic.
6: He was he, the best. He, he was no, the no, best. He, he, the uh, Democrat he, now.
1: he was the greatest. I mean, he, he came on the show a bunch of times, and, and he fought against the net neutrality nonsense and all this other stuff. But his replacement here is is so far turning out to be, and no surprise there, an unmitigated disaster.
4: Well, it's interesting, because she, uh, she was the chair of a two-two divided commission for two years. And she did a very good job, actually. She didn't do anything ideological or controversial. They did a lot of good and important things, basically, on a 40-0 bipartisan basis. But the second she got that third Democrat and she had a partisan majority, she said, okay, now we're bringing back you know Obama's mangled form of net neutrality and we're firing up you know, the left-wing shock troops and all this kind of stuff. And it's pretty ridiculous. She gave this speech. I swear to God, this is why I wrote this article, because I couldn't even believe it. She gave this speech. She was like, I remember when COVID hit, and I had to work from home, and my Wi-Fi signal was terrible, and that's why we need to bring back net neutrality. I'm like... (laughs) Buy this woman a new router, leave the rest of us alone. This is the dumbest excuse for government regulation I've ever heard in my entire life. She can't. I'm like, is she actually like so dumb that she doesn't know the difference between her own network in her house and the public internet? And I'm like, probably not. She's probably just saying that. But who knows? Maybe she really doesn't know the difference. And somehow she became chairman of the FCC anyway. So I thought it was pretty amazing. You know, they took this vote last week on Thursday, they, they uh, approved on a 3 2 party line vote a notice of proposed rulemaking to bring back public utility style regulation of the internet obama's mango form of net neutrality even though when this was repealed five years ago we were told there would literally be dead bodies in the streets because people wouldn't be able to access suicide prevention services, and the Internet would stop working, and it would be catastrophic. You know, dogs and cats living together,
1: everything you could imagine. (laughs) Mass hysteria. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, right, exactly.
4: I wonder how many of your listeners remember that movie. Uh, come
1: on. Phil Kirbin, everybody knows that that line from Ghostbusters. Come on.
4: Yeah, the best. By the
1: way, by the way, The bad guy in that movie was the EPA
4: bureaucrat. Yes. I love that movie. It was the federal bureaucrat that messed the whole thing up. Wait, wait, wait. Didn't
1: didn't you... I think you and I I talked about this years ago that the Ghostbusters may be one of the greatest libertarian movies ever made, right, right? Right, right. Yeah, brilliant. So anyway, my point
4: is they made all these crazy predictions. Literally none of them happened, okay? So we're five years after this thing was repealed. There were no bodies in the streets. The internet didn't break. You know what happened? Uh... Internet speeds tripled, private investment went up dramatically, and prices were flat to even down. I'm paying 40 bucks a month for internet now, okay? So it, it's like basically this unbelievable deregulatory success story. Everything that was predicted that was negative did not happen. Instead, what did happen is you had less regulation, you had more private investment, you have higher speeds, you have lower prices. So, and, and by the way, the U.S. passed the, the COVID lockdown test with flying colors. There were almost no problems in the U.S., except maybe at the chairwoman's house. Uh, whereas, in Europe, whereas in Europe, where they have regulated Internet, uh, the European regulators actually had to go to YouTube and Netflix and say, down-resolution your streaming services because it's going to break the Internet. They, they could not. They did not have the capacity to keep with, up with demand when the lockdowns hit in Europe, and so yeah, everything points in the direction of deregulation worked. Uh, regulations uh, was a mistake, and so naturally the Democrats are just ideological knee jerk. The second thing have three members of the commission, okay, we're bringing it back. So uh, you know we're going to have to try to stop them. And probably we won't be able to accept in court because uh, they they got three Democrats. They're going to do what they want to do, but we should at least make people aware and make it a little bit politically painful for them, maybe try to get Congress involved, get some pushback. Because I, I think it just shows you the the way Democrats have come to believe in regulating anything and everything and have become totally impervious to reality. It's like to them, the last five years didn't even happen. They're just, oh, we have a majority now. Let's bring it back.
1: Yeah, it's so true. And, and, and the question I have for the FCC chair is when her Internet was slow, did she try unplugging the router? and plugging it back in. Because that's what I usually have to do.
4: I mean, honestly, maybe we should put some comments in the docket that are like, here's some troubleshooting chair. Yeah, here's some ideas that she could try before, you know, regulating the rest of us. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, I, I, look, I, I agree with you. I mean, this this, this is this is a, a, a very important issue, and I and it's not gotten the attention it, it needs to, and I'm glad that you brought it up, Phil Kirpin. AmericanCommitment.org, and we'll post a link to it. And the other thing, too, that I, I, I think is important for people to realize when you're talking about the issue of net neutrality and, and, and all this is we have seen unprecedented attacks on freedom of speech on the Internet. I mean, we, we, the government now feels yeah. as if our thoughts... Our critical infrastructure. They they believe this now. So I, we we have to do everything possible to keep the government out of the 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 world of the internet because they, every little inch that they come in here, you know, the nose of the camel under the tent. Ultimately leads to more censorship and regulation and this idea of, of, of disinformation and misinformation and, and misinformation boards and big tech working with the government to figure out what speech is OK and what speech needs to be taken down. I mean, all of these things are terrible for our country and we've watched them happen now for years.
4: Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, I've been saying for a long time that economic regulation would lead to content regulation. And I get called a conspiracy theorist and that I'm crazy and they would never do that and all this kind of stuff. So I've taken a lot of arrows for making the exact same point that you just made over the years. But you look at what's happened under Biden. They pumped, you know, just obscene amounts of money, hundreds of billions of dollars into subsidies for broadband. And, in fact, in this new proposed restoration of the Obama net neutrality rule, the commission even says, like, oh, we don't care about, you know, deterring private investment because there's so much government money now that private investment doesn't matter. They actually make that argument in the order. And, you know, you you think about it. If we go down this path where you have economic regulation by the government that deters private investment where you don't even care about private investment because there's so much government money going in it's such a short step from there to saying oh well this is a public network that's built with public dollars and it needs to be regulated in the public interest and we think that means you know not allowing dangerous misinformation or whatever and this is the same administration that we got that got caught colluding with the major tech companies to suppress speech they didn't like throughout covid and you know related to other things and so uh, i completely agree with you that economic regulation will not be limited to just economic regulation if we go down this path it will at some point probably affect you know content regulation as well and uh, that's one of the reasons that i would rather have as little government involvement as possible. Let's go back to the way it was, you know, for the whole history of the internet until the Obama administration, which is, you know, it's a, you know, it's a kind of an unregulated frontier world where people do what they want to do, and uh, the FCC has, you know, pretty much a hands-off approach. Yeah, yeah, I think that worked pretty well for, you know, it worked for the first. You know, it worked for the first 20 years of the Internet, and it worked for the last five years. What do we need to do for the two years in between where we have these rules? I don't think we need to bring them back. And, uh, you know, I think we need to just mock them. I mean, it's a ridiculous thing to act like, you know. And you know what I like to say, Rich? If Trump repeals these regulations again, are we all going to die a second time?
1: I just want to take a shower that has a lot of pressure, and I want my clothes to get clean, and I would like it if my dishes came out clean, too, Phil Kirpin. These are the little things I dream about in the United States of America. Can, I, can, I, can a man dream? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't realize this,
4: but Biden's regulations across the board, across all the agencies, are actually more costly on a per household basis than even Obama was. Obama put about $4,000 per household per year of new regulations on. Trump was net deregulatory by about 2,500 bucks. Biden's running at about 5 grand a year. 5 grand per household per year in new regulations. Mm. So it's everything you mentioned and a million other things you haven't even noticed yet. They're in a hyperactive regulatory mode again. Uh, there's no agency that's not trying to decide for us how to live our lives and take these choices out of our hands. And, uh, you know, this needs to be a major issue. We didn't even get into the biggest one of all, which is that they want to ban regular cars and trucks and force everyone into an EV. I mean, we're on the glide path to that if this guy gets reelected. And so uh, the regulatory burden is out of control, and uh, that's got to be – somewhere on the agenda with the other five or ten horrible things they're doing uh in terms of election issues
1: i mean let's hope and pray that the supreme court does something with chevron because uh that is where a lot of this comes from as 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 you know we've talked about this a lot i mean now that the case of the herring fisherman is coming before the supreme court hopefully they can rein this in i mean rewrite it overturn it whatever but you know congress doesn't pass laws anymore we we've How many times have we said this now? Laws are passed via rules that are promulgated in the Federal Register, and then if Congress doesn't like it, Congress has to pass a law to overturn a rule by the executive branch. I mean, that's insane.
4: Well, and and because of the presidential veto, you need two-thirds of the House and Senate most of the time. So think about that. Uh, It's a ridiculous ridiculous situation, no question. And... uh, you know, if we can't fix the process, uh, then even when you get a good president, you reverse these things. It, it just flips right back. And that's basically what we've seen with Biden coming in for Obama.
1: Well said. Well, listen, follow Phil on Twitter. He's terrific at Kerpen K-E-R-P-E-N and American Commitment at A-M-E-R-com. Uh Always a pleasure, my friend. Let's have you back on again soon. And thank you for the fight that you're in against regulation and for liberty. We appreciate it.
7: one perfect co-worker of yours.
5: The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the Free Odyssey app.
1: 855 839 1210 if you want to weigh in on the news, Speaker of the House. You know, talking to um, Phil about uh, government regulation, and I was really happy, of course, that, you know, we had this situation where the now Speaker of the House came out, Mike Johnson, and tore into the FBI and Twitter and their relationship together. Uh, Dave McCormick at four 30 met the Is that right? So we'll just hang out here for a minute and wait for him. All right, we'll do that. As we do that, I just want to point out a couple things to you locally close to home here that, uh, I, I want to mention. And that is that, you know, in, in, in Philadelphia, we have seen a lot of, uh, crime clearly, uh, that has happened in the city. Uh, I'd be remiss if I did not share with you that in, in the middle of, uh, Crime being one of the major issues in, in cities. You have Democrats who are more concerned with things like canceling Halloween because they think that some kids might be uh, uh, offended if they don't have the means for a Halloween costume. Now, surprisingly, his royal rugness, King Philip the Unaccountable, has come out and actually slammed school districts for canceling Halloween celebrations. is shocking to me. It's shocking that this is, is is something that's happening, but of course it shows you that he wants to run for president. But you have you have Democrats now who are more concerned with the triggering that's going to be done by Halloween costumes than 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 crime in their cities. I mean, that's a real thing. I mean, they're they're more worried about a kid dressing up as a cop and offending people than backing the cops who are out there against the criminals in places like Philadelphia. I mean, that, that's the truth. That's the truth. And so if a kid dresses up as a cop in a school, could you imagine the outrage that would ensue? This is really what this comes down to. They, they, the argument that they use, the phony argument that they use is, well, not everybody has the means to be able to afford a Halloween costume. Therefore, we don't want to have Halloween parades. And my kids love Halloween parades. And you don't have to spend a lot of money on Halloween costumes. Mama only used to be the cheap costume where it was a plastic mask and it was basically a plastic smock that had a painted like batman on it and it cost you two bucks and you get that there's lots of ways around this issue but just remember that whenever you hear about halloween bans happening the, the real issue here is because they're worried about costumes being triggering and offending they're not really worried about the fact that not everybody can afford one that's the excuse that they use And I'm going to tell you what happened as a Philadelphia judge reinstated charges against Mark Dial, the the former Philadelphia police officer who shot Eddie Irizarry. That happened today, and we'll talk about that as the show goes on today, and also the reaction uh, coming in for the new Speaker of the House. A lot of very positive reaction coming in for him today. But let me welcome to the show Dave McCormick. He's running for the United States Senate in Pennsylvania as a Republican, and he's going to be the nominee. Dave, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you. Hey, Rich. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Listen, I'm very excited about all the support you're getting. I believe I'm going to see you next week at a dinner together. Uh, the Republicans have rallied around you. It's it's wonderful to see conservatives across the board. Uh, good. So before we get started, I want to ask you any thoughts on the new Speaker of the House today?
6: you know i I don't know him, I'm delighted that he was selected i'm I'm hearing the same things you're hearing lots of positive feedback but but you know listen wh- thank God because I'm so glad that uh we got our act together and uh you know I look at what's happened and it just is a an an emblematic I think of Washington being broken and the need to get you know people there that haven't been part of Washington and hopefully be able to turn things around a bit but uh but this was a good day and the fact that it looks like we've got some of the chaos behind
1: us. Yeah, absolutely. He talked a lot today about the, the, the federal debt being our greatest national security threat, the interest on the debt, the out-of-control spending, the fiscal irresponsibility that goes on. You know, Dave McCormick, it's it's good to hear a Republican stand up there, and you certainly get a lot on the campaign trail, and talk about the national threat that is our spending in this country. We don't talk about it enough.
6: No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, part of it is, Honestly, if you look at spending over the last decade, um, Republicans and Democrats alike have let spending get out of control. And so, you know, we have not been blameless as Republicans. But what's happened under Joe Biden under the last three years is in a whole different level. And it's like a hockey stick. And we've added trillions and trillions of dollars of spending. And it, it gets the economy to the point where just the service on the debt is you know, half a trillion dollars. It's, it's incredible how fast it's growing, and it's absolutely unsustainable. And so it's critical to our economic well-being because paying the interest on that debt crowds out private investment. But it's also critical to our national security because one of the things that's been uh, incredible about America's economy is we've been able to underwrite our, our defense capability, our national security. We're not going to be able to do that. If we have an economy with uh, spending that's out of control, and that's where we are today, and uh, and that needs to be a top priority of Republicans and and all policymakers.
1: Uh, agree with you, <laughs> absolutely, no question about it. Today, the House is voting on a resolution to stand in solidarity with Israel. Uh, obviously, you, as a man who served in the 82nd Airborne, a graduate of West Point, I mean, you you know how important Israel is as an ally. Uh, and, and you also know the the tension in the region right now that's happening. So let's let's talk about that for a moment. Give us your thoughts on, on where all this stands and, and where we go from here.
6: Yeah, I mean, what, what we saw on October 7th was it's, it was evil in its purest form, absolute barbarism. And uh, we need to stand tall with our, with our close ally, Israel, and give them the military support and the intelligence support they need to eradicate Hamas which is a terrorist organization underwritten uh, by Iran. So that, that has to be our posture. They know best how to prosecute this war. It's going to be tough. As a military guy, uh, an officer in the 82nd, we used to train all the time for these urban missions. When you're going uh, block by block, building by building, room by room, this is tough work. It's going to be very treacherous. And so we're not in a position to tell them how best to do it. We should support them doing it. And this is in America's interest for three reasons. Number one, Israel is an incredible ally. In good times and bad for America. Two, you know this terrorism is not unique to Hamas. It's it's terrorism underwritten by Iran, uh, with Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad, and in, uh, in Iraq and uh, and Hamas among others. And their express goal is to destroy Israel, but also America. So these terrorists are against us. And as we saw today in the news reports, they're attacking U.S. forces in Syria and Iraq. So uh, we got to go on the offense on terrorism. And then finally, you know, this region is incredibly important to the global economy because of its uh, oil and natural gas uh, reserves. And so it's really important for America's economy that this not be a place of, uh, you know, where a widespread war breaks out and there's there's absolute chaos. And so uh, that would be the posture I would have if I was in the U.S. Senate. And in contrast, I think uh, the final point I'd say is, is there's no moral equivalence on this. Um, you know, when, when a crisis like this happens, people are tested. And uh, we saw a lot of people failing the test, college presidents, members of Congress. I think uh, Senator Casey, um, who I'm obviously running against, was very slow to stand up tall and call out his, his own party members and make the case for what we need to do in terms of taking a strong position against Iran. And that's um, he's voted with the Iran deal three times. And that's part of the reason that we're here is that Iran has had the resources to invest in terrorism.
1: Yeah, they have had the resources, and that, that's a great point, Dave McCormick, because obviously Pennsylvania being an energy state, which you would be fighting for in the United States Senate when you get there, and let's hope to God you do, a reporter asked a question yesterday. You know, under President Trump, the average price of oil was 58 bucks. Under this president, it's $83 a barrel. So the price of oil is more. Is that giving Iran enough money to fund these terror groups? And we have in this country, with, with Biden's war on energy, you know, selling off half of our oil leases, Biden's war on energy now has caused the price of oil to go up globally. Iran has benefited from that, selling oil to China. We have watched as Putin has profited off of natural gas since we refused to right. export our natural gas uh, to the world.
6: Ab- absolutely. I mean, this is one of those things where, you know, I, I the reason I'm optimistic about the Republican Party and conservatives in our future is that the ideas of, of Joe Biden and the progressive wing of the party have proven to be such utter failures. And energy policy is the best case. So under President Trump, we had energy dominance. And, uh, and, under, and under President Biden, we become a net energy importer. So we're now dependent on the world for energy. Um, and so in a goal of fixing the environment, what, what the Biden administration has done, they've made us more insecure. They've hurt the economy of of America and Pennsylvania in particular, which is a huge natural gas state. If, if uh, uh, Pennsylvania were a country, it'd have the fifth largest natural gas reserves in the world. But here's the great irony, Rich. It's also hurt the environment because of the regulations that have been put in place and the inability to extract natural gas in the United States we're importing much uh, more carbon-intensive fuels from around the world. So it's an utter failure, and it's a complete hypocrisy, and, uh, and we need to get back to a position that embraces the power of, uh, of our natural resources, oil and gas, but also embraces all forms of energy. And, uh, and that's the position that uh, I would be taking as a senator, and it be a strong voice. It's the one single thing, if you're in Pennsylvania, the one single thing that could make our economy on fire— it would be really unlocking our energy sector in Pennsylvania, and we just haven't done that under the failed leadership of Joe Biden, but also Bob Casey, who's who's really not been a strong voice for for energy in, in in any way at all.
1: Yeah, well, well said, Dave McCormick. Dave McCormick's with me. He's running for the United States Senate. He's a former Undersecretary of the Treasury for International Affairs during the Bush administration. He is a graduate of West Point, and he served our country in the 82nd Airborne. Let's talk for a moment about, uh, I think, one of the other big issues that we're talking about right now w- across the board, which is regulation. I mean, regulations are out of control. I was just talking to Phil Kirpin from American Commitment, who I know you know well. And the regulation, You know, the FCC now proposing more net neutrality nonsense, the Biden administration trying to ban gas stoves, ban electric uh, ban gas-powered vehicles, Dave McCormick. Uh, all of these things which are costing consumers, I think Phil said it's about Biden's regulations have cost us about five to eight thousand dollars uh, more per household, uh, just just in his regulations alone. And and people want freedom yep. in this country. And what what we're seeing here is we are seeing an administration that is absolutely intent on governing every aspect of your life and regulating you to death.
6: Right. Which which really that whole notion runs counter to what's made America so so special. What's made our economy so vibrant. It's individual freedom it's the capacity for small businesses to grow and prosper it's the opportunity for entrepreneurs to take advantage of it and it's worse it got, it's gotten there's been a dramatic shift under joe biden and i've seen this i've been on the campaign trail in manufacturing facilities fabricators cosmetology schools i had a a session this morning with a, a bunch of, of businesses that have big uh, huge uh workforces in pennsylvania all of them say, just as you said, that under the Biden administration, there's been this huge bureaucratic surge, where the administrative state has looked to take this as an opportunity to further regulate and further ma- and specify to conduct themselves. It takes a huge toll on our economy. It takes a huge toll on investment, or in- ensures the lack of investment. Just an example in natural gas: people don't invest in natural gas in Pennsylvania because they can't get permits for the pipelines. So it is, it is destructive to what's made America so great, and this is why we need to get uh, a majority in the Senate and a new, uh, a new president, a Republican president in the White House. I think this is where, one area where President Trump had the right mindset, and it wasn't complicated. He said, for every new regulation, you have to take away two. That was genius, and that's the kind of orientation we should have. We have much too much regulation. That's, it's not the problem that we don't have enough. We have too much, and uh, it's a big deal.
1: And what do we do? I I mean, as you're traveling around the Commonwealth now, you're you're dealing with this. You're also probably talking about crime as as a major issue. And I know that the United States Senate is not typically a place where you talk about crime. But at the very same time, uh, we have a lot of our communities in this country are experiencing record retail theft, which is costing taxpayers a lot of money. We have big corporations leaving and moving. The Democrat Party has been all in on the defund police movement. And, and and quite frankly, you know, I think there's a bully pulpit aspect to all this. And right now you have we've seen nothing from Bob Casey on the issue. You have Larry Krasner, a prosecutor watching, destroying the city of Philadelphia, district attorney. I shouldn't call him a prosecutor. Yeah. He's not. You have a mayor who's turned his back on the cops. I mean, I think that, you know, the leadership matters here. I, I, I was with some cops last week in Philly and, you know, they they buried one of their own. And I mean, their morale is at an all time low, Dave.
6: I'm with you. I totally agree. And and unfortunately it's not just Philadelphia. Let me give you a couple of anecdotes. I was in Philadelphia the day after the looting and uh, I couldn't believe it. I mean, this is Walnut street, rich, you know, this This is the most beautiful part of Philadelphia, the Rittenhouse square and uh, the Apple store, the, uh, you know, the Lululemon, these, the windows are broken. People are looting. And here's the crazy thing. This just shows you how demented it is. Um, they're, they're cautiously making sure they, they only steal up to a thousand dollars because they know if they only steal a thousand dollars worth of things then they won't be prosecuted if they're caught because that's the, the the rule that Larry Krasner has put in place so you have this demented notion that uh, that uh, law and order is something that can be um, you know taken not very seriously at all and that that's not going to affect the economic well-being the safety the willingness of people to live in Philadelphia so it's a disaster. All time high in murders. Let me give you two little little stories that reinforce this. One, I was about forty five minutes outside of Philadelphia the other day. I was at a sports uh, a sports uh, uh, store, a sportsman store, and I asked the woman there who, who who's buying handguns. What are the what are the biggest customers these days? She said women. I said buying what? She said handguns. I said let me get this straight. Women are buying handguns. She said sixty percent of the sales are to women mostly handguns. And I said, why is this? She said, they're terrified about the violent crime coming from the streets of Philadelphia into the suburbs. And by the way, that's consistent with national numbers in terms of, of who's buying more guns. So that's, that's an interesting. Second, I was with a, a guy today who's involved with uh, a chain of stores in Philadelphia. And he was talking about they have six stores in Philadelphia. I won't say what the name is. And they are contemplating moving out of a number of those stores, as many businesses have, because it just doesn't make sense, because they can't keep up with the, 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 the margins. When you lose, you know, 10 percent of your inventory to theft, the margins uh, go away overall, not, not to mention the fact that nobody wants to work in a store where they're, they're actually being threatened by violent crime. So this is, this is existential. Our urban centers are going to crumble unless we get a handle around the crime issue. And, uh, and the Democrats, uh, Joe Biden, uh, Bob Casey with the defund the police, with the lack of moral clarity on the need to enforce the law is uh, is a big part of the problem. Yeah, and then you have the
1: border. I mean, the border's wide open, and you've got people streaming in over the border, and they're bringing in drugs. I mean, fentanyl is a huge crisis. It's a crisis. I mean, you see the—Kensington, like, it looks like zombies walking around out there. I mean, it's a massive problem. Joe Biden does not acknowledge it. He wants to spend hundred over $100 billion in aid to Ukraine, to Gaza— Uh, but, but when you bring up the border and it's nothing, the administration pretends like there's nothing happening here. And I think it's because they like it. I think Dave McCormick, I think it's because they like open borders. They support it. And they're not, they're not at all concerned with what's happening is this is how they're going to change the face of America once and for all. But we, every single state in this country, and I know you've said this before, is a border state now.
6: No doubt. I mean, the fentanyl crisis is, uh. Is something I hear about everywhere. Five thousand Pennsylvanians last year died of fentanyl. Just put that in perspective. In twenty years of war in Afghanistan and Iraq, we didn't lose five thousand killed in actions. That that is how big a deal this is. A hundred thousand nationally, and you know this is uh, this is insidious. It's manufactured in China. It comes across the open border from Mexico in the hands of the cartels. When I went to the border, I literally could see the cartel guys up in the hedgerows sending people across the border. It's very concentrated. It's very cheap. It's highly addictive. It's destroying communities. And, uh, and the problem one is the borders are, are, are open, and it makes it much easier to bring fentanyl into, into our country. Problem two is our law enforcement um, is under-resourced, underappreciated. Uh, faces huge legal liabilities for uh, performing their jobs. I was with a bunch of uh, police officers in my hometown in Bloomsburg um, last week, and, uh, you know, they can't fill their slots. They can't fill their slots. Nobody wants to be a cop anymore because you don't get paid much. You know, everybody everybody, uh, criticizes you, and nobody appreciates what a tough uh, and selfless job that really is. So uh, I couldn't agree more. It's a big deal.
1: Dave McCormick, best of luck as you continue. I look forward to seeing you on the trail. And uh, where can people find you and learn more about the campaign and and support you?
6: Thanks for having me. It's Dave McCormick, PA.com. Appreciate your listeners tuning in and uh, look forward to being with you again soon, Rich. Thank you. Thanks, Dave.
5: The Rich Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT.
1: (laughs) There's an article I have from Politico today. The warning signs for Democrats about black voters in 2024. I will get to that with you shortly. A lot to talk about today. There's a bits a busy day, but now is also the time for you to reach out to njdiet.com and say it with me. 40 days to lose 20 to 40 plus pounds. That's right. 40 days to lose 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days time. You will lose a contractually guaranteed 20 to 40 plus pounds. In only 40 days with NJ Diet. They use your hair, your saliva, and your blood work, along with scans to personalize natural solutions and supplements that get your body into the fat burning zone. So you can finally lose that weight. Then NJ Diet uses DNA info to help you keep it off. Best of all, it's contractually guaranteed. You are fully supervised the entire time to make sure you are burning fat and not just losing water. And you even get the doctor's personal email and phone number. Absolutely no shots, no hormones and no surgery. Locations are close by in King of Prussia, Newark, Delaware and Cherry Hill, New Jersey. So call 855-5 NJ Diet, 855-5 NJ Diet or go to njdiet.com. Just as everybody's bulking up for the holidays and everybody starts, you know, trying to hide it with those ugly Christmas sweaters, you'll be looking and feeling your best. You'll be, be you'll be healthy and you'll be happy. So that's what you want to do. Reach out to them today. NJDiet.com, 40 days to lose, 20 to 40 plus pounds, 855-5NJDiet or NJDiet.com.
5: Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app.
1: All right, 855-839-1210. If you'd like to weigh in today on everything we are discussing, there is a uh, wonderful clip. We have a guest coming up at 5 o'clock. We're going to talk about America's um, military might right now in the Middle East and the Persi- and particularly what's going on in the Persian Gulf with regards to the Navy. So we're going to have that conversation. The uh, new Speaker of the House, obviously the big story of the day today, he's been elected, Mike Johnson. He's terrific. I'm very, very happy so far with what I've heard from him. Uh, I feel really good about what, what I heard. Obviously the 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 proof will be in the pudding, but there's some breaking news. Representative Jamal Bowman has been criminally charged with one misdemeanor count of falsely pulling a fire alarm for the September thirtieth incident in the Cannon Office building, according to documents. And according to the report from NBC News, Jamal Bowman has been criminally charged. The charge carries a max penalty of six months in jail. Although it's unlikely Bowman will face any jail time. And the question, of course, that I have is will the charges include obstruction of congressional proceedings? Because that's what he did. That's what he did. And I'm sure that Julie Kelly will have a lot to say, a lot to say regarding Jamal Bowman and whether or not Jamal Bowman is worthy of being charged with uh, obstruction of Congress. And she just tweeted a, f- a few moments ago. If you pull a fire alarm, disrupt the congressional proceeding, prompt the evacuation of a House office building, escape the scene of a crime and fail to notify police, you get a tiny slap on the wrist rather than charged with several felony counts and order to pretrial detention. If we're applying the same rules, it doesn't matter if you meant to disrupt Congress or not. January Sixers aren't even given the opportunity to defend themselves in the same way. You should have known is the common refrain from prosecutors and judges does not apply to Democrats, of course. So Jamal Bowman will be facing a misdemeanor count in D.C. over this whole issue. Will be thrown into, Will be thrown into the gulag? Will the FBI be raiding his home? Of course not. None of those things. And here's some other breaking news for you. The FBI has maintained more than 40 confidential human sources on various criminal matters related to the Biden family, including Joe Biden. Dating back to his time as vice president, according to information obtained by Senator Chuck Grassley. But Grassley learned that an FBI task force within the Washington field office sought to and in some cases successfully shut down reporting and information from those sources by falsely discrediting the information as foreign disinformation. That effort caused investigative activity to cease. It's a brand new report from Fox News. It just broke a short time ago. And I will share my thoughts with you on this as the show progresses today. There's a lot happening, a lot going on. And uh, there's also a question regarding Penn and all the anti-Israel protests that are going on. But Rogers and Sherry Hill, you wanted to weigh in on the new House speaker. Hello, Roger. Hey, um, Republicans, the Freedom Caucus caught a lot of flack from moderates
0: in the uh, semi-conservative media. But boy, they've got they finally got us across the finish line and uh, it's a real it's really uh, encouraging to see a conservative Speaker of the house uh, I'm, I'm grateful to Matt gates um, uh, and I, I think those guys are, you know stood up for their principles and uh, in Jersey we have a we have a congressman named Tom McCain who voted for funding the drag queen hour for our servicemen uh, and those those kind of Republicans just really don't I really need to be switch parties, basically. It's it's appalling.
1: I'm very happy today as well, Roger. I'm optimistic. I, I hope that Mike Johnson will live up to what he said in his speech today. Uh, I'm curious, you know, right now they're having a vote on the House floor to condemn Hamas. I'm, I'm just curious if any Democrats are going to vote no.
0: Um, I'm sure some Democrats will vote no, absolutely. But you, you got to remember, the majority of Republican voters are the polls that I've seen are opposed to the the blind funding of Ukraine, and we know that on a, on a, on a great amount of those weapons were transferred to Hamas. We know that the Ukraine war gasoline went from two dollars and fifty cents to three ninety, enriching Iran, funding Hamas. Um, So uh, you you can't just spread weapons willy-nilly. Rand Paul tried to have an audit, and he was voted down by both parties. And we can't just send weapons like that everywhere and expect to not have results like we saw October 7th in Israel.
1: Well, I I think what you're going to the question is where we go from here and and how much this escalates and uh you know israel is more than capable of protecting itself and defending itself and the question really becomes what do we want to see the role of the united states be if anything in all this and it certainly seems like this administration is pushing us to be uh very involved and i think there's a lot of republicans cheering that on don't you
0: Yes, I I do. Um, Hamas has a very strong presence in Mexico, and I'm sure with the open borders, they have a significant presence in the United States. I'm, I'm anticipating a terror event of some kind or another because we are looked at as Israel's best friend by... The Palestinians and Hamas. And so we have a soft underbelly and with open borders, we're, we're brutally exposed. Um, if, if a thousand guys in pickup trucks and hang gliders can surprise Israeli intelligence, imagine how vulnerable we are.
1: Roger, thank you for the call, my friend. Have a great day. I appreciate it. Greg is in Chestnut Hill. Greg, go ahead, sir.
8: Hello, Rich. The uh, the new speaker to handle is just is a more polished Jim Jordan. He's also a practicing lawyer, and he get ready for the re- religious zealot claims about him because he he has worked with uh, some Catholic and some religious organizations before, you know, during and before when he was before he was in the government. But I I follow and watch some of the things. They hate him because he's much more articulate and he's very knowledgeable in the verbiage which they always try to trap Republicans where they have it, they go after like a, a chip Roy and guys like that. This guy's very intelligent and he's and he's a, he seems to be a conservative. I don't think he's a, a wolf in sheep's clothing because if you look at you know five minutes of YouTube you don't know, but if you go in and you see you pull up 30 minutes of what he was arguing about, you will see that they're after him pretty good and that's a good sign. If everybody hates you on that side, that's a very good sign, and he's pretty. He's very eloquent. You will like him, and he's got a, he's got an edge to him, Rich. He's got it. A, he's, he's a little bit of
1: a. He's got a nice little jerk edge to him, which is pretty sharp. <laughs> well, he's he said some things in the past, Greg. First of all, he's he's used the word he used the word God today on the floor of the house, right. which normally does not happen. And yeah, he's triggered Democrats in the past with his words. He just has more of a kind of a Clark Kent, soft-spoken side to him, which I think it is. can actually be very advantageous in this situation so uh, oh, a polished sure. Jim Jordan is, is a good way to put it and people are happy with yeah, what Jim does. Jordan is by the way Jim Jordan as chairman of that committee is essential so I don't think people are, are a, nobody should be upset by this based on now now if Mike Johnson turns out to be you know says all the things but ultimately becomes Paul Ryan or becomes Kevin McCarthy well we'll talk about it then but as of right now Greg we, we all have reason to be optimistic right I, I, I hope
8: he's I hope I because that now there's two people in in nice in nice roles that finally people like us can can root for and say we don't like everything they say but we we like eighty five percent of it and that's better than three percent, right? And they're gonna fight, which is which is a good thing.
1: Well said my friend. You have a great day, Greg. Right. Always appreciate the call. We got thirty minutes of nonstop talk coming up for you. Straight ahead.
5: Rich Scioli, weekday afternoons, 3-7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app.
9: Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making, so they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tecovas, and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tecovas on social media, and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit Tacovas.com. that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com, and point your toes west.
5: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward.
10: That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at hero.co.